yeah, good. So you know what? It's been a while. So for those of you that don't know me, I'm Lillian. Nice to see everyone after such a long time. So today, this scripture reading, gonna jump right into it. It's Mark from Mark 10, and we're taking it from the ESV version, okay? ESV, Mark 10, verses 35 through 45. Again, Mark 10, verses 35 through 45. And James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came up to him and said to him, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. And he said to them, What do you want me to do for you? And they said to him, Grant us to sit, one at your right hand and one at your left, in your glory. Jesus said to them, You do not know what you're asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink? Or to be baptized with the baptism with which I am baptized? And they said to him, We are able. And Jesus said to them, The cup that I drink you will drink, and with the baptism with which I am baptized you will be baptized. But to sit at the right, my right hand and my left is not mine to grant, but it is for those for whom it has been prepared. And when the ten heard this, they began to, to become indignant at James and John. And Jesus called them to him and said to them, You know that those who are considered rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and, this, and, and their great ones exercise authority over them. But it shall not be so among you. But whoever would be great among you must be your servant, and whoever would be first among you must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. Thank you, Lillian. So this uh, is interesting week for us to be focusing on this part of our rhythms of disciple-making, which is the rhythm of serve. When we imagine, or we have been hit as a nation with another mass shooting, and this time among small children, and we see life being taken, but just to imagine how our nation would be if all of followers of Christ would intentionally find ways as a rhythm of life to serve and be a blessing to the people of this nation in and where around the people we are in our spheres of influence, where it would be in great contrast to this, these acts of violence and uh, these tragedies we experience time and time again. And also it's providential that this is also Memorial Day weekend, where we remember as a nation those who have served our country and given their lives for the service of this, in the service of this country in many different ways, where we ultimately follow Christ because of his coming, as we just heard read, because he came to serve us and give his life on our behalf. So on this Memorial Day, let's focus on this rhythm of disciple-making serve. Each one of us, as we know and have been heard over the last few weeks in this series called Bless, uh, we who follow Jesus have these opportunities all around us every day, in the everyday lives we live, to point people to Jesus in small or big ways. And Jesus has called us who follow him 
to be his disciples in relationship with him and to make more disciples of people to follow him. And we get to begin each day with prayer and we are asking the Lord to open our eyes and ears to listen for these opportunities to point people to Jesus as Lord. And then last Sunday we saw this daily rhythm. We went through this rhythm of eating, which we all practice, and how we can intentionally transform that rhythm to become another opportunity to share and point people to Jesus and to show Jesus' love and care and compassion and to listen to them and their stories and to do this intentionally. Today we focus on the rhythm of serve from this text. And this text I chose because to understand what it means to serve in the name of Jesus and for His glory alone, we first need to understand the main obstacle to serving in His name. And that is our sinful desire for power, for prestige, for honor, for ourselves. And this is the idolatry of power. So in different ways, power is attractive to all of us. I mean all of us, no matter how young we are or how old we are. Uh, In different ways, we're taught actually in this society to pursue power, to try to gain it for ourselves in multiple ways. The pursuit of power is driven by our pride or as the Bible calls this, our sinful nature. And the first example of this is found in Genesis, the very beginning of God's story, Genesis chapter 3, when God created the heavens and the earth and he created man and woman in his image and Adam and Eve. He placed them in the garden and he said they could eat any of the trees in the garden that they wanted to except for one, the tree of knowledge of good and evil. But Eve and Adam ate of the tree that was forbidden, the knowledge of good and evil, because as the story reveals, they wanted to be like God, knowing good and evil. And they looked, you see, for something other than the Creator and Lord to get something for themselves. Rather than going to Him, they acted on their own, trying to gain something for themselves. And this is the first act of idolatry, when we look to something other than God for ourselves. This was their pride. This was a pursuit in a sense of power. They wanted something to gain for themselves. And since that time, all of Adam and Eve's descendants, all of mankind, people that have been following from, since then have carried this inner self-pride, this, as the Bible calls it, the sinful nature. And we see in Romans chapter 3, verse 23, affirms the saying for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All have sinned. Every single one of us here have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Only in Jesus Christ, the Lord, who has risen from the dead, can we be freed from this slavery, this inclination to always sin and rebel against God for, for what we feel is good for ourselves. And only through His indwelling spirit by faith will we be transformed and freed then to be his servant and servant of others in his name and for his glory we all struggle with power pursuits in some way and they they reveal themselves in different ways for us no matter what age we are we seek power to say to increase our strengths right we want to be stronger 
or our health. We want to be healthier. We seek power to control where we live, where we work. We seek power to, in our relationships. We seek power to climb the ladder of success and push others aside. We seek power to be famous and wealthy. We seek power to be popular and influence people so that they will follow us. We seek power to have people like our ideas and follow those ideas. And while all these things in and in of themselves are good things, but we must ask ourselves, why are we pursuing these? And are we pursuing them for God's glory or are we pursuing them for our own glory? Just consider your own goals, your career goals, your relational goals. Why do you feel like you need to get married? Is it for your glory, your satisfaction, or for God's glory? Your professional goals, what is the motivation behind those? For your glory and security or for God's glory? You know, there's a natural high when our idea is accepted and followed by others. Uh, there's a feeling of importance when people look up to us and respect us. And as we say, then it goes to our head <laughs> and it becomes sinful because we then crave that rather than the Lord God. Why do we want to work out, keep our body in shape? Why do we want control over where we live and work? Why do we want to control, have control in a sense in our relationships, have the upper hand? Why do we want to climb that ladder of success? Why do we want to be famous and wealthy or popular and have influence over people? Why do we want people to just like our ideas and follow us? Why do we desire these things? Well, we make something an idol when we have what we call uh, an over-desire, an inordinate desire for something, and usually it's a good thing. And then, like, for example, we'll say uh, getting good grades, right? We've all had that push or that pressure, <laughs> whatever it is, internal or external, uh, when we were in studying school, or we are now. Um, our drive to achieve this becomes an idol when it becomes something that we pursue over and in first before our desire to follow Jesus, if we're followers of Jesus. So in a sense, then, our desire to study, 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 or get involved in this and that, so our transcripts look good, or whatever it is, and then we put aside going, being involved in fellowship, or studying God's word, or gathering on Sundays for worship, you know, if we put that aside, then it has become an idol in our lives. And the same applies to our jobs, our relationships, what we choose how to entertain ourselves. You know, what are we putting aside? Jesus knew the aspirations of the Jewish people when he was on the scene in our text. And the Jews had been waiting for a Messiah that would be a military general, a lawgiver, a king. And they were hoping that this king, this Messiah, would triumph over the Roman occupiers and they would be able to gain their independence once again as a nation of Israel. And when Jesus, the simple, self-appointed rabbi, came on the scene and started to teach and do these miraculous signs, huge crowds followed him. I mean, he was popular. And people looked up to him. And they longed for him to establish this earthly kingdom of David, 
again, to that had military success, and also to have the power and riches of King Solomon. They, they imagined this was what the Messiah was to do. And even his most intimate followers expected him to demonstrate this Messiahship through by this Jewish nationalism, in a sense, to bring the kingdom of God through the nation of Israel. This is what his closest followers were hoping. Two of his closest followers, James and John, we see in our text, misunderstood the kingdom of God that Jesus was here and came to build. And their confusion, their confusion in Jesus' response highlights this drastic difference between what they understood as power influence and how it differed from what Jesus was teaching as power and influence in the kingdom of God. So in today's text, James and John, two of Jesus' closest disciples, they're two of the three, right? Peter, James, and John. Those were his closest buddies among the 12. So James and John, they, friends of Jesus approach him and they ask for these positions of power when he becomes king and sits on his glorious throne. Can we sit at your right and your left? Now, Jesus didn't get angry with them. But instead, he simply asked this question. He said, are you able to drink the cup that I drink? Weird question, right? And I'd be like, yeah, bring it over here. I'll drink it. That's you know, like, no problem. <laughs> yeah, that's easy. But this idiom that he's using here is they would have understood in that day and age. Cup meant suffering usually in some degree. And Jesus used this same metaphor, if you remember, in the Garden of Gethsemane, when he was talking to the Lord God Father, when he said this, he said, my Father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. And then a second time he prayed, saying, my Father, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away, unless I drink it, may your will be done. And James and John confidently answered Jesus and said, yes, we can drink the cup. And Jesus said, yeah, you will <laughs> drink that cup, as a matter of fact. So James and John approached Jesus with this understanding that Jesus was to be king and they wanted positions of influence and power next to him on his right and left. What were James' motivations, James and John's motivations for these positions? They wanted to be on the top, looking down on people. They wanted people to be looking up to them because then they could have influence over them. They could be honored and looked at and respected. And that was the thinking of the world that they were applying to the kingdom of God. And they were thinking not as Jesus was teaching them. Now, when we serve others, we are not to view ourselves as the superior ones who, and we are the ones who are powerful and then serving those who are weaker and inferior because of their situation or whatever it is. This is the world's point of view. This is the world we live in today. The strongest survive. If you're in the corporate world, the most aggressive move to the top, right? The quiet, the mild, the sweet, you know? They stay under the, those who are aggressive and powerful and are usually abused or used by them. Our society strives to convince us that the more money and the more fame and the more power we have, 
Those should be our goals so that people then will respect us and treat us as important because we have these things or we have this, this influence over them. And we may think right now, you're hearing me and you're saying, Jeff, you know, you know I don't really want to be filthy rich. You know, I just want to be kind of rich. Um, I don't want to necessarily be a national celebrity, but I, would, you know, I wouldn't mind being kind of popular. Um, or I don't want to be like the powerful man in the world like the President of the United States, but you know, I wouldn't mind being like CEO of my company, you know, something like that. But then why are we striving for these goals? What is your motivation behind that? Is it for your glory and power and security? Or is it for the Lord's glory that you follow, or at least you say you follow? What is the motivation in your heart? Because that's what God really cares about. Do we ever, for example, buy a lottery ticket? Or gamble? Or do we ever, at a sporting event, when we realize that the camera's pointed our way, we see ourselves on the big screen. We go crazy because it's our moment of glory. Or how about when we look on social media, something we posted, and we see like hundreds of people liked it. Ooh, that feels good. Yeah, why, why? What's going on in our hearts? You know, how many of us ever had a daydream of being a movie star? Or somebody really famous or popular? Uh, I'm guilty. Uh, why? We want to be known. And the more people we think that know us, the more important we feel. And that's the way of the world. You know, there is a, a moment in my life that I had one lottery ticket, uh, and I won it in some crazy bowling uh, contest. And uh, I remember getting the winning fever. Um, I couldn't stop thinking about what I would do if I won I forgot, it was probably like something like a few tens of millions of dollars or something like that. I just couldn't stop thinking about it. And I was in seminary at the time, right? And I even had this thought that, you know, God knew that I would never, ever, ever buy a lottery ticket because that is just wasting my money. But now, miraculously, I had a lottery ticket. So God must have given me this lottery ticket so that I could win. I, this is what I was going through my head. And, and, and I didn't win. You know, James and John wanted to be at the top because they bought into the world's thinking. I thought wealth was so exciting to me. I couldn't shake it when the possibility was there, I felt. What James and John desired was in line with the world's view of power, but it was not in line with God's view. And this is the biggest obstacle that you and I have in making serving a disciple-making rhythm of our life is this desire for power. And after Jesus then, we see in our text, broke the bad news that these positions that James and John were applying for were not even his to give out. <laughs> um, when the other disciples found out about what they had asked, they were angry because they felt they were more qualified to be in those positions than James and John, so they were upset. You know, this is our obstacle to serving others in the name of the Lord Jesus and for his glory. The obstacle is when we apply the power, according from the world's point of view, to the kingdom of God. Now, if I were Jesus at this point, 
I'd be feeling like, okay, just forget these 12. Let's get another set of 12 guys, you know? <laughs> because I'd be so frustrated that I've spent a huge amount of time, I've been training them in the ways of the kingdom of God, and they still don't get it. <laughs> but instead, Jesus didn't act that way. He used this opportunity as a teachable moment, and in a sentence, he describes the power of the world in verse 42, saying, You know that those who are considered rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. That's what we're all used to. That's what the Jews were used to. The Gentile Romans were exercising their authority over them as oppressors, the power they had over them. It's in a sense saying, I'm more powerful than you, and I'm going to remind you of that every chance I get that I am more powerful than you. <laughs> and that's abusive, oppressive way of using power. Jesus then went on to explain the true kingdom power and influence in the next two verses, saying, but it shall not be so among you, meaning those who follow him. But whoever would be great among you must be your servant, and whoever would be first among you must be a slave of all. And then, as I've always said before, and we've learned time and time again, Jesus never asks us to do anything that he doesn't do himself first. So in verse 45, he says, For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus came not to be served, but to serve. And not only that, but to give up his life as a ransom for many. Jesus, God in the flesh, came to serve us, us who are screwed up, messed up. We're a mess, basically. And yet he came to serve us. That's the good news <laughs> right there in a nutshell. And not only so, he did this, he sacrificed himself for us so that we then can be free to serve others and give him glory while we do so. And knowing this, that we would feel the most abundant, fulfilled, prosperous life when we do so, rather than pursuing our own gains. And Jesus modeled this again to his disciples. If you remember on the night that he was, before he was crucified, he was with his disciples eating the Passover meal. And what did he do? They were all sitting around the table. And none of them had washed their feet, which was the custom of that day. When you go into the house, you know, you're walking around all day long, those little sandals, like some of us like to wear flip-flops or whatever, right, in the summer. But we don't have dirt roads where, you know, animals poop on and whatever. is all this stuff on the road. Your feet get kind of dirty. So they're all in there and they recline. So like your feet is up against somebody else. And yeah, kind of gross thinking about that. They're all there and nobody's washed, got up and washed their feet. And what does Jesus do? As the, the Lord, the leader, the teacher, the respected rabbi, he gets up, fills a basin with water, wraps a towel around himself, and he starts to wash the feet of each of his disciples. They, they were astounded. They didn't want to do it because it's too lowly, and here their teacher is doing it to them. You know, it'd be like maybe like President Biden coming to show up at Cornerstone today, and then he gets something, he sits down here in the front and says, okay, one-on-one, -on -one, I'll give you a foot massage. And it's just kind of awkward, you know. <laughs> President Biden, <laughs> yeah, that'd be awkward. <laughs> Jesus told his disciples then to follow his example and to do the same to others. 
I can imagine them just like, it probably took some time for that to sink in. It was too crazy for them. And Jesus calls us to serve others in his name with the power and influence that he has given you and me. And we serve others for God's glory, not for our own. And the blessing we have been given to us by Jesus through what he has done, and then all the blessings like our jobs, whatever it is, the blessings in our life, we are to use that power and influence to serve others. So here's the nutshell. It's not what we can get, it's but what we can give in the name of Christ Jesus. And it's not who can serve us, but whom can we serve in the name of Christ Jesus. Now we must be careful though, not to fall into this belief that we can change the world. You know? We're going to be do-gooders and change this world. It's all messed up. But rather desire to be a part of God's story and what he is doing in the world to change the world. We join him. It's not about us. Again, if we think we can be world changers, then we're doing it for our own glory, really and our own self-worth, or to feel good about ourselves. A lot of people are out there doing good things, but for the wrong reasons, the wrong motivations. And this, again, is striving then for a form of power. So, question to you guys. What power and influence do you have right now at this moment in your life? You probably like thinking, <laughs> I don't have any power and influence. <laughs> you do. You have power and influence to some degree. Just for example... Do you realize that once we graduate with a degree from college, we are one of 6.7% of the world population that has a college degree? That's power. That's prestige. What are we going to do with that degree for God's glory? Uh, we are, the fact that we're living in the United States, we're one of 4.25% of the population of the world that live in a country that allows for us and encourages us with so many opportunities for us to be educated, for work, all those things. If we get a job and earn the national average income right now of around $69,000 a year, we are wealthy compared to the worldwide standard. That's power. And do you realize that 10% of the world population makes less than $1.90 a day? That's 10% of the whole world. That's a lot of people. But this is even more astounding. 80% of the world population make less than $10 a day. And that's only $3,650 a year. 80% of the population of the world. That's eight out of ten people in the whole world make less than this amount a year. We have opportunity to use the power and influence that is given to us by God for his glory on earth and his work to be done in, in the people in the world with all the needs that barrage us, but also in our neighborhoods, in our own families in our sphere of influence in whatever, work or school or relatives. I want us to watch this one example of what high schoolers are doing, and I don't know if they're followers of Jesus or not, but they are doing something. They're serving others beyond themselves 
in a way that is encouraging, just to stimulate some thoughts. Go ahead, Nina, and put that up there. And this is just some high school students. Actually, the fuller story is that uh, first guy that, the, that was shown, um, he was, uh, uh, came from, I think it's Haiti, as an immigrant, and he was a loner, and he experienced just being alone, sitting alone. And so when after he got kind of integrated and he actually became one of the popular ones in the high school that he was at, he remembered that. And so he started this club. Uh, we, we, uh, we dined together, I think it's called. So he started this, and, and he greeted it. And now there's chapters around the country <laughs> that we dine together and to try to specifically f- focus on those people who are our loners in the high schools. Think of just taking that idea or whatever idea God gives you in the unique design you have and the power and influence that you have and just release it. Let the Spirit of God lead you on how you can serve others in your sphere of influence. Just imagine the amount of opportunities to just share part of the gospel that we know of, that we want to share with others by serving people unexpectedly. And they go, why are you doing this? <laughs> you know, it's like this, why, why are you doing this? It doesn't make any sense to me because it doesn't fit in the world's idea of power and influence. It's like, I, I, I don't know why. And then we have a Jesus explanation for it. You know, in a sense, followers of Jesus are called to live as a blessing to others in such a way that leads to a Jesus explanation. In other words, it means that there's no other reason why we would do the things we do other than Jesus is our motivation for doing these things because he has forgiven us, so we go and forgive others. We sh- he's shown grace to us, we show grace to others. There's, there's so many ways to tie in the message of the gospel by just showing someone kindness that's unexpected. So what if every one of us here and online agreed to just think next month, month of June, I'm going to intentionally do three things, acts of blessings to the people in my life that do not follow Christ. Yeah, please do the, uh, lots of blessings to our brothers and sisters in Christ. That should be a regular thing. 
but be intentionally doing it to those who are not followers of Christ. Serve in some way, in, in word, deed, or gift. Be creative. Pray about it. Pray for what, who the Lord might be putting on your heart. You know, maybe simply is explaining that we're just trying to show God's love in a practical way. See if that generates any conversation. But you could just leave it at that. I'm just trying to show God's love in a practical way. Why would you want to do that? Okay, bing. You got, a, you got an opportunity right there to talk a little more. You know, for example, we could just bless somebody with a phone call. I need the slides back up. <laughs> bless somebody with a phone call. There we go. Yeah. And also, just to check in, there's no agenda. You know, you don't have to ask them a question like you need to know an answer to or whatever. Make sure the agenda's clear. You're just calling them to see how they're doing. No agenda other than to care for them. If you're like me, guys especially are like this. We don't think of calling somebody unless we have something, some purpose to call them, right? Otherwise, they're out of mind, out of sight, you know, as we just continue to live our lives. But yeah, no agenda. Or the other thing is you could just bless somebody by buying them a coffee, treating them to a meal, and just having that connection with them, which falls into the other rhythms of life, right? Eating with them, uh, listening to them, those kind of things. Uh, we could bless somebody by simply greeting them with an appropriate hug. You know, be a cautious of COVID and where they are in that too, but, or some kind of act of kindness just by greeting them oftentimes. You know, serving others as a rhythm of disciple-making will create opportunities for us to share Jesus in ways we can't even imagine. And it's not this presentation we're getting ready to give, the four points or whatever. No, it's just being nice to them. Followers of Jesus, just be nice to people. <laughs> Can you at least start doing that and see how Jesus uses that? And so back to this whole idea of bless. Right? We begin, we get to begin every single day as a new slate, and we begin with prayer, and we just go to God. God, show me the opportunities you have for me today to be your follower in front of other people. And then we listen to the Holy Spirit and his guidance, and we listen to the people that are in our life that day to see what other opportunities there are, what needs there are. We listen to the stories and then let them listen to ours so that they get to know us and Jesus whom we follow. And then we eat, we intentionally eat meals with people who do not follow Jesus, looking to listen to them. And then now we just looked at how we can serve them. There's so many opportunities for us to serve people in small, practical ways and be intentional about this. And then next week, we're going to talk about story. As you can already see, it's already woven into all these things. We don't do these in order other than begin with prayer. That's the first thing we want to do. But we just do this all together at the same time. And Jesus came to serve and sacrifice himself for us so that through faith in him, we are reconciled to God and freed from the slavery to ourselves so that we can focus on others for his glory and serve them and share the love of Christ with them in the message. You know, the late missionary Jim Elliott wrote, he is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. So let's take the risk. In the month of June, at least three chose three because, you know, that's a holy number, three, right? I didn't choose seven, or I could have chose 40, but yeah, three. Three blessings you could think of to do intentionally to serve those in your lives who don't know the Jesus. And we do this for not our own glory, but for his glory and for his name's sake. Let's pray. Lord God,
we fall far short from your glory in so many ways. And the way we talk, the way we choose to use our times, the way we ignore you during the day, the way we don't look to you when we're making decisions. And we could go on and on and on, which you already know because you know all things. And yet, Lord, we thank you and praise you because all that stuff is really not important to you ultimately. It's, it's whether or not our hearts are in line with you and following Jesus, your son, as Lord. And, and Father, we pray that Cornerstone would be more and more mature in how we understand power and influence according to the kingdom of God. And Lord, we pray that you would give us opportunities as we intentionally eat and listen and serve and share our story with the people in our lives that you bring. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen.